Here's this week's students on John Logan's School of Thought. Good afternoon and welcome to School of Thought, this time courtesy of the kids from Duncraig Primary School, Isla, Hayley, Cooper and Mateo. How are you going? I'm good. Good, good thanks. thanks. Before we get started this Savo on your topics, I've come up with a question I'd like you all to answer, and that is, as you head into high school next year, what studies do you want to focus on and why? Cooper? Um, well, I want to go into science because I want to follow my mum's footsteps. She works at Curtin and she has worked at ECU before, so um, I like science. How about you, Matteo? Well, I wouldn't mind doing something sporty, kind of. I, I really like running. Are you a sporty guy, are you? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of, okay. <laughs> Hayley, how about you? Um, I'd really like to study psychology because I have... I had a therapist and she helped me a lot and so I want to be that kind of person. All very interesting answers this afternoon. Isla? Yeah, well at high school I would love to study English and drama as well because I love acting. Having said that Isla, you've told me that you're interested in artificial intelligence. It's a pretty big area. Would you like to study that? Um, yeah, I th- feel like it would be quite interesting studying that as it's a really big area. So, What forms of artificial intelligence interest you the most and why? Well, I think it's crazy now that on technology we have all these virtual assistants like Siri and Alexa that can answer any of your questions. I think that is such a cool topic. How about the applications? How are they being created? Give us a couple of examples. Well, on applications that use Android, um, they can be formed from databases such as Java, which then can take a lot of the coding from that. So it really just takes a lot of work and quite a lot of effort to code everything and make sure there's no bugs when you actually put it out. And you don't need much um, experience to create an app, but you do still need some technical. As you know, I'm a JuneLab counsellor, and the JuneLab council is supporting a group of like-minded people to establish a centre to test and develop robotics and automation. Uh, We're talking about uh, all sorts of automation here. Do you see such an approach to sharing information on robotics, automation, artificial intelligence as a smart move for your future? Um, Well, yeah, since there's a lot of budding engineers and scientists like coming up now for the future, I think it is a smart idea to be promoting it as I can see a lot of jobs being automated in the future because there is just so much technology now and it's really just getting better. Of course, governments get involved in all sorts of projects. Would you like to see governments fund more projects so that you can get a a deeper understanding of AI? Yes, I think it would be really good for the government to profit in some more researching to AI and forming more of a kind of understanding of a human emotional level as well as the human like brain capacity as well. So I think that would be a good idea. Just speaking about that, machines of course don't have souls, they don't have emotions like you and I. So does it scare you that robots and other machines might actually come out with outcomes which lack a humanity perspective? Do you think we should be doing something particularly in that line? Well, I mean, it is crazy that, like, without having all these human elements, that they can just be that smart. But I think it would be good to see some robots in some form of way kind of have emotions or something like that because I think it would make us feel more happy about them maybe taking over jobs in the future. But it is quite scary that they are that smart. Well, you could end up, of course, with um, robots being smarter than people, couldn't you? Yes, you could because they're just getting better, as I said. And 
as they keep creating them, more people start taking over. So I think they could really get to a really high capacity. Mateo, I'll bring you into this conversation. Does it scare you that robots could take over? Um, I don't think about it often, really. But, uh, yeah, a bit. Hayley, what do you think? Well, I see lots of, like... Um, movies and hear lots of books about like robots taking over the world. It honestly seems like something so fiction that I can't believe it could actually happen one day. Cooper, do you think robots should be kept in their place? Well, um, I see uh, read a lot of books that have robots sort of becoming the future, and it is sort of scary to think of as if robots take over, then we won't have any jobs or really anything any purpose in life there's that human emotion side of things isn't there that um humanity we need to look after each other have feelings for each other and the robots of course at this stage they don't have that do they no they really don't but um yeah it is crazy if they did take over then as you said the humans like with all their emotions and lovings it really could not carry on anymore. Isla, do you see artificial intelligence as creating more jobs than jobs lost because of these machines? Well, I mean, we've already kind of seen some jobs become automated and some research has predicted by mid-2030 that 30% of jobs will actually be automated. But I do believe that we can get more AI workers to help build the AIs, but it is still quite a lot that humans won't even have an actual job of their choice, really. How about retraining? Do you think we'll be able to retrain people? I mean, it would be a lot of work, and we've all heard the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. (laughs) Where did you get that one from? (laughs) Well, I've seen it um, in quite a lot of places, but I think it would be possible to retrain people because we do have that ability to kind of adapt. Should there be more education, such as at school, about the impacts of artificial intelligence? Well, I mean, at school we do do some technical work and a bit of coding, but we don't really do a lot on it. So I think it would be nice to see more education into what could really happen in the future with AI and us kind of getting involved in that tech. What do you think about that, Cooper? Well, our teachers always say that we are the children of the future. And when I think of that, I actually think of artificial intelligence and robots um, when I hear the word future. So it's sort of a scary thought. So should we be looking at education as not only robots and the ability that robots might have in the future, but also how human beings are going to keep pace with that? What do you think about that, Hayley? Oh, well, I actually, when I think of like artificial intelligence and how, like, how humans could someday be like inferior to them, that I think of the fact that um, some person who created the, um, like the like a board game that's chess, that's like on like an iPad or a technology, that they've made a um, award-winning um, artificial intelligence that could beat the world's best chess player, but the person who made the um, AI can't even beat the world's best chess player themselves. Matteo, do you think a robot could one day be your best friend? Well, no, not really. If they don't have a soul or emotions... Okay, so that's what we're on about, aren't we, really? About humanity and looking after each other, feelings and where do machines fit into all of this. Isla, great conversation. Thank you for leading us into a very interesting area. It's students having their say. John Logan's School of Thought. Welcome back to School of Thought. With me today, I have four super students from Duncraig Primary School, Hayley, Isla, Matteo and Cooper. Now, you all love koalas, don't you? Yes. 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 What do you like about koala bears? Well, I mean, they're super cute and they're definitely a big part of the Australian wildlife. 
Well, they're very iconic, just like the kangaroos of Australia. I love seeing them at zoos because they're so adorable. Pepper, what do you like about koalas? Um, well, I just love how cute they are and how they sleep all the time. You particularly wanted to talk about koalas today. Yes. I understand there's less than 100,000 of them in the wild. There might even be less than 50,000. That's mm-hmm. what some people say. Why is their numbers in so serious decline? Well, one of the main reasons is fires. Koalas, as they're slow animals, don't really have anywhere to go as their trees are being burnt down. Bushfires, as you say, are a big threat to koalas and their habitats. I hear that you've been studying about the solar tagging process to save them. Tell us a bit about it. Well, solar tagging starts by clipping a little device, which is as small as a five-cent coin, onto an animal's ear. It's fitted with a VHF transmitter, which can track the device I think in a one kilometre radius. So when fires come, um, we have special people that go out into the forest where the fires are and get all the koalas and animals out from there and relocate them somewhere else where they're safe. Basically, they drag them out of harm's way in a nutshell. Who's behind the technology and how's the solar tagging being funded? Um, Well, a group of researchers at Macquarie University have created the device and the project is funded by WWF, which stands for World Wildlife Fund. They have funded $1.32 million to this, along with nine other projects. I guess that sounds like a lot of money, but Mm. there's not so many koalas, so this is a pretty important project, isn't it? Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot and... Well, the Worldwide Fund has funded this because, well, they're all about wildlife and koalas are one of Australia's main animals, so that's important to us. National icon, our koala bears, of course. Of course, we're talking about ear-tagging trackers, aren't we? Yes, we are. Do you think those ear-tagging trackers can be used on other animals successfully? Um, Yes, I reckon they can work on any other animals because... They will serve the exact same purpose for anything. Do you think that the research and the development of trackers should be expanded, as Cooper said, into other areas? Um, let's start with Haley. Let's go around the room. Um, well, I'm sure koalas aren't the, aren't the only species that has like been threatened by bushfires, so I think they should. What's your favourite animals? Um, I really like the platypus because they're kind of weird. <laughs> what about the kangaroo? Uh, yeah, I really like the kangaroo. What do you think about this, Mateo? Uh, Yes, I think it should be expanded to a lot more endangered or critically endangered animals. What other animals are your favourites? Well, I like fairy penguins. Fairy penguins? I don't know much about them at all. Tell us about those. Um, Well, I'm pretty sure they live on, I think it's called Fairy Island, and they're also called little penguins. How about you, Isla? Yeah, well, I think they should be expanded because, as we know, koalas are endangered, but there is a lot of other species that are endangered too, which are really like Australia's own, so it would be super sad to see them go. So that $1.3 million that Cooper's been talking about isn't a lot of money, really, is it? Um, No, when you think about it in like the grand scheme of things, it isn't actually that much to help a whole species. Your favourite animals? Well, I love alpacas and llamas, but they obviously don't live in Australia. But my favourite native Australian is I love all the birds in Australia. Now, kids, what do you think about people who don't know too much about koalas? Do you think they should be educated about them? I think they should because koalas um, are one of our key species in Australia. So I think they should learn about their country. How about you, Hayley? Um, yeah, I really think they should be educated because 
Um, yeah, just koalas are really adorable, and yeah, it would just be good. Mateo? I think they should be educated as they eat eucalyptus, which can be used in certain types of medicines. And Isla, what's your view? Yeah, well, I think it would be super good to see um, at schools them teaching more about our native culture, and I think it would be really good to educate us on all these endangered species. So that's the story of the koalas, everyone. We want to make sure that they're looked after, and unfortunately they're sadly declining in number, as you've said, Cooper. Yes, they are dropping, um, and I think it said by 2050 in New South Wales that there won't be any koalas left, they'll be extinct. How about here in WA? Do we have many here? Um, we have a lot more here than in New South Wales. Um, and as WA is a lot bigger, um, the koalas are scattered across. Of course, we state. face bushfires all the time, don't we? Yeah. Big threat bushfires here in yeah. WA too. We've got a lot of countryside. Yeah, we do. Um, there's a lot to burn here, but there's not as many koalas as I've been seeing. So the more fires, there's actually a lower chance Thank you, Cooper. Thank you for your efforts this afternoon. Local kids, local schools. John Logan's School of Thought. Welcome back to School of Thought, where I'm joined today by Cooper, Isla, Matteo and Hayley from the Duncraig Primary School. Hayley, you want to talk about fast fashion? What is fast fashion? Um, Fast fashion is how people are buying really cheap, poorly made clothes to like follow trends or to fit in. But um, the clothes don't really last very long because they're not very well made. And so in the end, they just get discarded. They're cheap and nasty, in other words, are they? Yeah. So why is fast fashion becoming popular? Well, it's because um, recently lots of people have been making trends. And these trends include patch jeans colour block and especially face masks and so um, companies are catching on to this and are like using sweatshops to make really bad poorly made clothes to sell. You talk about sweatshops of course a lot of those are in some of the third world countries really poor countries around the world do you think people should be more aware that um, people are being exploited to make the fast fashions? Oh yeah yeah totally Um, I just think it's really horrible how this is happening. What should we do to companies that actually exploit these people should we find them more or should we ban them from producing certain things here in Australia what should we do? Um, Well some companies that do sweatshops um, actually do make makes really good high quality items sometimes so i think we should just be aware of what we should be buying so it's all around education is it yeah yeah pretty much what about educating the buyer that these products have been produced in the likes of sweatshops do you think that's important yes yeah um i'm not too sure exactly how you can do that but i'm sure we will find a way Should we be manufacturing perhaps more quality clothes here in our country, perhaps by governments offering incentives to businesses? Oh, yes, yes, totally. Um, um, You should reduce, reuse, recycle by only buying good quality clothes. So, for example, what we could do is we could have tax cuts or we could perhaps come up with some dollars, fund some dollars around quality clothing and the manufacturing of quality clothing. Do you like that idea? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I think it would be good if we, made, if we spread some more awareness. Hayley, what happens to the cheap clothes, these fast fashion clothes that we're talking about, after we finish with them? Well, um, you can either choose to donate your clothes or to throw them out. And if you donate them, they normally end up in op shops near where you live. And But the op shops um, normally display the clothes for a while unless they are too nasty to be displayed. And then once they're finished with them, they all get sent to what you call third world countries like Accra, the capital city of Ghana in Africa. 
some of the clothing actually ends up in landfill, does it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, actually, in Accra, a plot of land was set aside to last 15 years, but it only lasted five because it got filled up with fast fashion. So dumping of clothes is a big problem as well. Oh, yes, totally. Um, some clothes end up in lakes and rivers, which can cause eutrophication, which is where um, waterways get overly dense with um, nutrients, causing a really dense plant life. So we end up with pollution problems because of the dumping of clothes. And of course, there's the issues of exportation of people in poor countries. They don't get paid enough money. They have to work like hell, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's really something that we should be aware of. Yeah, definitely should be. Um, it's such a shame. Kids, have you thought about this fast fashion, Matea? Um, yeah, as Hayley was saying before, if the plants get more dense, wouldn't that mean less oxygen? In the long run? Possibly could do. So what happens with a clothing that's been dumped that creates all sorts of flow-on effects, doesn't it? It's yeah. really bad news for the not only the environment but also coming back to other human beings. Wyla, what's your view? Well, I mean, nowadays with all these new social media like TikTok and Instagram, trends come and go with clothing in at least like two weeks. And people are just trying to stay trendy and getting all these new clothes but it's actually really really bad for the environment so I think it's good that Haley's informing us and I think we should be more educated on this topic because it is very current. Kippy you're doing a lot of shaking and nodding of the head yeah, there yeah. not really good for radio guys by the way <laughs> tell us what you're thinking um, well I agree with Isla completely that people are just trying to stay in fashion I guess and they're sort of ignoring what's recently been happening because, like, we're also dealing with plastic um, that's just been thrown away um, into landfill, which also goes into the sea, and people are just making more of a problem by getting cheap, horrible clothes and throwing them away. Hayley, how about at school? What's happening at school? Any education programs around what's actually happening with the likes of fast fashions? Um, well, we actually have a teacher at our school, and her name is Angela Coombs, and she only wears second-hand clothes, and um, she's really an inspiration for people like me because um, she comes up with really great ideas to teach us about sustainability. So basically you can have second-hand clothes, of course, but fast fashion is a very different thing altogether, isn't it? And you're talking about the cheap and nasties with fast fashion, aren't you? Yeah. So you can have great second-hand clothes, really. Yeah, definitely. There are um, platforms on things like Facebook where you um, can host what is called a clothes swap party where everyone gets all their clothes and they had, like, a big swap. Matteo, do you think schools should be more invested in this area? Um, yes, definitely. If people knew more about it, then they wouldn't keep on doing it. And, well, we might have more oxygen and bigger plants and, yeah, all of that. Wyla, you're a trendy young lady. <laughs> now, would you buy fast fashion because it's cheap? Um, I love like taking care of the environment and nature and I think people just get so self-absorbed in themselves that they just will buy whatever they see and whatever's cheap. But I do put um, some thought into what I buy because, as I said, I do like taking care of the environment and I don't think we should just be impulsively buying stuff. Well, Cooper, picking up on that point, do you think labels should express how the product was actually manufactured in the first place? Um, yes, I think they should because my mum says um, that we should only buy things like um, um, free-range eggs instead of caged eggs. So that's pretty much the exact same as what my mum says to do with clothes. She will only buy 
ones that are made properly and will last you. Coming back to you, Hayley, what's your view? I think people should be more aware and I really do think that we should only really buy the good quality stuff. We should think about what we do before we do it, shouldn't we? Oh, yes, totally. Um, People, influencers especially, are always having this impulsiveness. Well, thank you very much for your contribution this afternoon. Local students, their views. John Logan's School of Thought. Well, of course, he's our best-known bushranger, and 141 years after his death, Ned Kelly continues to capture the imaginations of people, including Hayley, Cooper, Isla and Mateo from Duncraig Primary School, who are with me today. Mateo, you've been studying Ned Kelly. Remind us about when he was born, a bit about his family structure and his family life when he was growing up as a kid like yourself. He was born in June 1855 in Beveridge, Victoria, and when he was 11, he saved a seven-year-old boy from drowning. How did he do that? He went into the lake and pulled him out. That's a pretty courageous thing to do, very brave. So he wasn't a bad kid, was he? No. Tell us a bit about his family structure. How many kids in the family? What's it like? Well, he had seven other siblings. He was the oldest of the eight. And his father was John Kelly, who was also referred to as Red. And his mother was Ellen Quinn. His family were pretty poor, weren't they? Yeah. How poor were his family? Well, I know they wouldn't have been able to get much food and much water, but enough to live. They sort of struggled by, didn't they? Battle to make ends meet, so to speak. When did he turn to a life of crime? How did it start? Well, when he was 14, he allegedly assaulted a Chinese pig farmer. And then later on, he, um, his brother Dan, he, a policeman was after him, trying to capture him. So he, the policeman went to the Kelly house, but... Ned managed to shoot him in the wrist, which definitely stopped him. But then they had to go into hiding, Dan and Ned and his friends Steve and Joe. But his mum was arrested and taken into police custody. Do you think uh, things just spiralled out of control for Ned Kelly, that he started with a relatively minor crime and then just spiralled right out of control? I think he would have been probably pretty confused and not really knowing where his life was going. He's only really a kid, wasn't he, still? Only 14 or so. Yeah. Now, he did end up being a bushranger, outlaw, gang leader, and police murderer, but he was seen by many people as being also a hero. What do you think about that? Well, I'm not really sure. He was a figure who stood up to authorities, but in some cases it wasn't for all the right reasons. Well, do you think he should have been considered a hero? In many ways, yes, and in many ways, no. He stood up to authorities, like I said a second ago. He was like a Robin Hood-like hero, but he also did a few things that were wrong, like he killed policemen. Do you think if Ned Kelly was born in the 21st century, he'd be a different man? I mean, there's still a lot of discrimination and corruption around today, which he faced in his time. And, of course, there's still lots of ordinary people feeling that their views don't matter to the authorities. I think he wouldn't be too much different to when he was. Um, But I think he would be slightly different as a person. Well, do you think he'd be um, a villain today? Or do you think he would be the sort of person who would be more affable towards other people and probably more law-abiding? I think somewhere in between. 
Okay, so you're saying that maybe part of the reasons he did some of the things he did was because of the environment around him, but there's still some of those things around today. So he still could be a bad in the eyes of some people and a good in the eyes of someone else? Exactly. Okay. Let's get the views of the other people in the podcast team today. Isla? Well, I mean, as you guys said earlier, like it kind of just went from one thing and his life kind of spiralled out of control. So I feel like if he was born in this century, things definitely could have gone a lot different. But I feel like he wouldn't have been as kind of rogue as he was. I think he would be a little bit more law-abiding, especially because there's a lot more like technology today and there's just a lot has changed since he was around. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting topic. What do you think, Hayley? Um, I've actually read a book called The Geraldry Letter, and um, it actually um, tells me a lot about him as a person. And so I think that if he was in the 21st century, I think he would have been a bit of a better person. Cooper? Um, well, when he was born, um, there was a big difference between being poor and being rich, and he was definitely someone that was poor, so he didn't really have the money to get education or sort of a line to his future. So do you think, Matea, that he just tackled things the wrong way? Um, yeah. Did he have enough positive influences around him, like you kids have got great parents, for example, to steer him on the right track when you needed to be? No, when he was 11, his father died, so that wouldn't have helped. It wouldn't have helped at all, wouldn't it? It's very important, our family unit, and we've got great people around us, mentors around us to actually help us to stay on track, then uh, we've got half a chance, haven't we? What do you think, Isla? Well, yeah, I think as Cooper was saying, back then there was a big difference between like being poor and being rich and I feel like today we have a bit of a better um, kind of care system for people where I feel like they could have got a lot more like resources than they would have back then so I think he still would have been kind of the same person but I don't think back then that his family would have wanted to step in the wrong foot, so I don't think they were helping much with his bad choices. He was only 25 years old, kids, when he died. That was very young, wasn't it, Matteo? Yeah, especially compared to now. So he didn't have a lot of chances when you think about it. His upbringing was a tough one. He was sort of um, conditioned by his environment to a certain extent, and perhaps, as Isla said, he didn't have the opportunities that you kids have. What's your view, Hayley? Um, well, Mateo did say that his father died at a very young age, but he also mentioned that he had seven other siblings, so one of those siblings must have tried to help him in a way, I feel. Cooper? Um, yeah, as Haley and Mateo were saying, that um, his parents did die when he was quite young, so it was sort of hard for him to take that in. So he was pretty confused and sort of um, distressed um, about about the things that were going on around him. Uh, we're going to have to shoot through, guys. Thank you very much, Dane Craig Primary School, for being part of the podcast series on Curtin FM. Before we shoot through, I'd like to give you all the opportunity to shout out to someone, starting with you, Matea. Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to my mum and my dad and my brother. Isla? I would like to give a huge shout-out to my family who have supported me and obviously our school as well for giving us this opportunity. Cooper? Um, I would like to shout-out to my mum and my family who have helped me get this topic and prepare it. And Hayley? I'd like to shout-out to my um, mum and my family for supporting me and my best friend, Emily. Thanks again, kids, for being part of the uh, podcast series here on Curtin FM, the Duncraig Primary School Kids. I'm John Logan, and from me, until next time, it's God bless and goodbye.